season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to the JK Air Podcast. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Today we've got Eastern New Mexico University graduate assistant baseball coach and Vision Clothing Company CEO Mike Eversole on the show. Came across Mike Eversole on Instagram a few months ago. I was looking up some different companies. Came across Envision Clothing Company. I really liked the vision that they had. Did a little bit of research on it. Um, found out that I really enjoyed Mike's story overall and where he comes from. Um, so today we kind of dig into that story, talk about his transition from his playing career into coaching. Also talk about his overall vision for the company and vision clothing company. So hope you guys enjoy that and we can dig into the interview. And welcome back to the Jay Cower podcast. Today we have Eastern New Mexico University assistant baseball coach and Envision Clothing Company CEO, Mike Eversole. Mike, I'm a huge fan of your company, and I'm super pumped to get you on the show. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, just watching, uh, actually watching my players' uniforms right now as we speak, man. But all, all is good in here, man. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Just got off work, about to watch the, the rest of this basketball game going on right now. So going to be a good night. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. So uh, just to start it out, one question I like to ask everybody I get on the show. Um, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Um, how would I introduce myself? Um, I guess if I'm describing like the type of person, I would honestly describe myself as just an authentic, honest, and genuine person who has a passion for helping other people, man. Okay. Love to hear it. Uh, so one thing that I found really, really incredible when I was just doing some research on you when I found Envision Clothing was just your story. I saw it on YouTube. I don't know how long ago. Um, I think it was after I saw Envision Clothing Company on Instagram or something like that. And I just I really love the story that you come from and how it's motivated you. Um, so could you like take us through that story, something similar to what you did on YouTube? Uh, yeah. Give, yeah. Give the listeners um, just your overall background and your overall story. Yeah, um, man. So, so I grew up, uh, you know, I'm from Northeast Ohio. I grew up in a small town uh, called Navarre, Ohio. Um, it's same old small town, man. Um, I, I lived in a town uh, near Brewster. And that's kind of where I spent uh, my whole entire childhood. Um, I had a really close knit family. You know, both my parents graduated from the same high school as myself. Um, was kind of one of those things. So I, I grew up just kind of being used to seeing the same people, the same roads, having similar ideas, and just kind of honestly feeling trapped in that small town as I started to get older. But I was always an athlete. I love sports. <clears throat> being in a small town, there was obviously a lot of opportunities to play every sport that you could possibly get your hands on. Um, you know, I played baseball and basketball and soccer. And as I got older, I played, uh, I played football for a year, but I had an injury, uh, like ran cross country, did like track in middle school. Um, I tried to do it all. Um, but my family was, man, it was super, super tight knit. Um, I had my dad's family that grew up, you know, they were in the, in the same area as well. My mom's side of the family was 
you know, close. They were also local. They're about 15, 20 minutes, kind of like in bigger, uh, just bigger areas than where I grew up. Um, but man, my, my mom and dad, they were, you know, they were married for a long time. Uh, can't, can't forget how many years at the time, but I, I just grew up just in your ordinary household, I guess, just in a small town. I was an only child. So, you know, I was real spoiled and entitled at a young age. Um, I got my way no matter what, because, well, I was the only child. Um, I had my uncle Kevin who, you know, he's like, he was my godfather. Um, you know, he had always supported me just in sports and, um, there was just so, there was a lot of support. There was, there was honestly a lot of support and actually something I didn't mention in the video was like my parents, my, my mom, especially always talked to me like how I was kind of like a gift and I was a blessing. And, um, you know, one day I asked her like what that really meant. I learned that whenever I was born, I was born like premature. Um, you know, I had almost passed away when I was born and, you know, was in and out of the hospital when I was first born. So like my parents really cherished like having their one and only, you know, kid. And, um, I think that really just kind of embedded how our relationship was when I was growing up. And I think that's why I kind of leveraged that to kind of get my way when I was little, um, I was so spoiled, but whenever I was getting into high school, I, this is really when it started. Um, you know, I started talking to myself like, man, I'm getting into high school. Like varsity sports was super important. I wanted to play as a freshman. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to have it all right away and I wanted to work hard and want to have fun with my friends. And, you know, you're in that small town. So like everybody feels like, you know, they kind of run the show, I guess, in, the, in their own way, because it is such a small town. Um, whenever it was like my freshman year, you know, I man, I was playing baseball and I, I played basketball. I met a lot of people, um, just people that were older than me. And I, by the end of my freshman year, like I was like, man, I, I'm going to play college sports. Um, I'm going to be one of the best athletes to go that ever came through here. I mean, like you, you're really high on yourself when you get a taste of, you know, success at a young age. Um, and it was just like life was easy, man. You know, I had my mom and dad always there supporting me. Um, my uncle Kevin was, you know, uh, local to the area at the time. So, I mean, I was spending probably the most time I ever had with him in my life. Um, you know, and his kids, my, my younger cousins, I spent a lot of time with them. Um, I, you know, just my surrounding family, man, were always big support. I mean, just life was perfect. Life was perfect. That's the best way to say it for where I was at, where, where, where my feet were at the time, um, life was perfect. But, uh, that summer, um, you know, I was, you know, getting ready for the school year, I guess you could say, you know, it was my sophomore year and, um, Randomly one day, my, uh, my mom and I, we were heading over to my uncle Kevin's house. And, um, at the time he didn't have a car. We were going to pick him up. We were going to take him to the bank. And, um, you know, he, he passed away that morning. Uh, he was 38 years old. Um, you know, they say he passed away of an enlarged heart. Um, and at, at a young age, you know, I'm like 14, 15 years old, I'm walking into a room and, and, and that's what I'm seeing. Um, you know, it was really hard for me. I didn't understand death. I didn't understand, you know, the whys and the hows and, the okay, what happens now? Um, you know, I watched my mom struggle kind of emotionally for, for quite some time. Um, my dad, on the other hand, he was always like real level-headed. He was always just kind of, he had a way of 
kind of showing his emotions and his way of showing emotion was to not show emotion at all. He always bottled stuff and I've kind of taken after him as I've gotten older, but for me, I didn't understand it. I, I had a hard time with it. I was like, man, like 38 year old man, like he's got two young kids. Like that sucks. Um, I, I, I became a softie after that. I was, I was real emotional about my feelings, but what I've learned is as I've gotten older and have become a little bit wiser is it's made me empathetic um, and a little bit more understanding when engaging and interacting with people. But I I struggle with that. Um, You know, I, I stopped seeing my cousins a little bit, you know, they started living with their grandma, their mom wasn't really in the picture. And, you know, I, we, we, we moved on. Um, my dad was battling some health issues in and out. Um, I never really, I never really looked too deep into it. I don't think anybody did. I think it was just, you know, life and just things come up and things happen sometimes. Um, you know, I went through my sophomore year. I went through that summer, was going through my junior year. And, you know, throughout this entire timeline, like I, I had that sense of motivation, like, man, I got to make my uncle Kevin proud you know, I got to keep working hard. I got to do like, I was trying to put the, like the weight of everybody's like grief on my shoulders. And I tried to like erase it by trying to bring a lot of like personal success to, to myself and to my family. And I just wanted to, I wanted people to like move on. Right. But emotionally I never knew how to move on. Um, so that was his death. Um, that was where I just, you know, again, like I was never mad. I was just more sad than anything. And I never grasped the idea of death at the time. Um, My junior year was really the year when, you know, you start talking recruiting. Um, You know, I was not one of those guys that was fortunate to get recruited as, you know, a freshman and sophomore. I didn't even know who to contact. I didn't know. I didn't know how the recruiting process worked. I, I grew up in a small town where college athletics was extremely rare and uncommon. Um, and I, I didn't really have any help at the time. So that was mostly my dad and I like, you know, do you go to camps? Do you go to showcases? Like, this is all new. Like, how's this work? Um, oh, like, what's the difference in all this travel ball stuff? Like, we, we were so, like, naive to, to how it really was um, at the time. And we just thought we were kind of living by the old, man, if you're good enough, they'll come and find you. Well, that, that was never really happening in my small town. Um I sat down with my dad and we kind of talked like, you know, really what my goals were. And my dad, he, he gave me, he, he never tried to get like, uh, uh, like, I don't know how to put it. He, he never tried to like boost me up. If anything, he tried to like find the one negative, not because he was ignorant or like disrespectful or it was just more like, man, like this game is beautiful. And if you're good enough, like opportunities will come. You just got to keep working. And you know, he wasn't like those like typical baseball dads that yell and scream and make a complete, you know, idiot of themselves. Like my dad and I's relationship when it came to baseball was you talked in the car unless I was being disrespectful to the other team or if I was just being an idiot on the field at a young age. Like it was really the only time I ever got yelled at. Um, I got a call from the Brownlee Lookouts organization. Um, you know, they're an organization that I coach in now. Um and I was contacted by a man named Ben Simon. Uh, ben actually runs his own professional agency. Um, he has a facility over in Aurora, Ohio. 
And, you know, Ben at the time was, uh, he was kind of doing the job that I get to do for the lookouts now. Um, and that was helping get kids into the program, helping get kids, you know, better, um, helping kids get on, you know, to the next level, you know, help just place kids in in college programs, uh, for the best price and for the best fit. And I was so excited. I'm like, you know, mom, dad, like, I just got a call from this guy. He's with this team and, you know, he saw me play and he's heard about me like, Oh my God. You know? And my parents were just like, well, how much told him the price? Like, man, like with your dad's medical bills and where we're at, I mean, like we can't afford that. Like how much traveling are we doing? And man, I was so upset. I remember I still, you know, cause it happened, you know, uh, around this time, you know, in March, um, you know, seven years ago. And, I'm like on Facebook and I have all the Facebook memories coming up, you know, like, Hey, we're willing to do odd jobs on the weekends. I need X amount of dollars. Don't ask why it's for baseball. Can anybody help me? I was trying to do everything I could. And my parents were just like, man, like just, Hey, maybe next year, maybe next year. And I'm like, man, like the world's telling me I need this now. Like, I don't know if that was just the world kind of just saying, Hey, this is a great opportunity. Or if I was just, you know, the spoiled entitled like 16 year old kid at the time, you know, <laughs> um, well, a week later, a week later, uh, it was the first day of the baseball season and I, uh, you know, woke up, we, we had lost in the district final, uh, for basketball the night before. Um, I didn't feel good the night before I was kind of throwing up. I was, you know, waking up and falling back asleep, waking up and falling back asleep and just didn't feel right. I was trying to get whatever was in my system. I was trying to get it out. That way I could get the baseball the next morning. I got, you know, my dad was talking to me in the living room the night before. Hey, like sucks. You guys lost tonight, but Hey, on the plus side, like you get to wake up and go play baseball tomorrow. And you know, I, I can't wait. Like, you know, me and some of the other dads, like, you know, cause my, my graduating class, we were a very tight knit group of players. We grew up kind of playing together and traveled together and, um, you know, high school ball was really our last chance to kind of have that, that brotherhood bond, you know, and there was a lot of expectations on our class because we were a very talented group. Um, you know, and all the dads, like they were real excited about getting ready to watch practices and be together and hang out at the games and, you know, just, I get, you know, community, right. It was just community. I woke up the next morning. Um, it was like five o'clock in the morning. I knew my dad had to work a little bit in the morning before, you know, he got off and, um, you know, I heard his alarm clock going off. My mom fell asleep on the couch the night before and, uh, his alarm clock was going off and, um, then it went off again and then it went off again. And, um, I was getting out of the shower. My mom and I went upstairs and, um, you know, he, he had passed away that morning. Um, and that was in, 2015. Um, and it was on March 14th. So, um, you know, a couple of days ago was that seven year anniversary and, um, I was devastated. I was devastated. Um, cause it was like a year and a half before my dad, I had lost my uncle. Now I'd lost my dad and I just, man, I fell apart, dude. I fell apart. Um, I was angry. I was extremely angry. Um, I didn't really, I, I like blamed myself. I don't know why I, you know, you get that guilt and I blame myself and I really just wanted nothing to do with what life had to present itself with because I was becoming accustomed to like pain and disappointment. And 
don't get me wrong. I know there's a lot of people out there that have experienced much, much worse. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, everybody handles their situations differently, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I just, man, I fell apart. I stopped working hard. I didn't really care about sports anymore, but in the same hand, you know, like Ben Simon from the lookouts, you know, he texted me. I, I still have the screenshot to this day. I know if Ben ever listened to this or heard about this, you know, Ben's not, uh, it, Ben's just straight to the point, you know, that's who Ben Simon is. And I I've always saved that screenshot of him texting me saying, Hey man, like we're so sorry about what happened. We just heard about it. Look, man, like we're going to put you on a team for free. Um, the lookouts, co- like the lookouts program is going to cover the cost. You know, like I want to help you. And for me, like it changed my life. It changed my life. And um, I'll never delete that screenshot because that's when life, if, if looking back, it's when life started to really come into fruition because with it being just my mom and I, it challenged me to be a better man and it challenged me to grow up and um, it just challenged me to take on some responsibilities that I probably wasn't ready for. But I think I, I thank myself for, ta- you know, accepting those challenges at a young age. Um, I, I, I <laughs> man, I got really fat. Um, I was eating, I was drinking, I was experimenting with some drugs. Um, you know, I was running away from the cops all the time. And, you know, I was just completely just, I I became somebody I once judged and I, I stopped being happy and I had a hard time looking at myself in the mirror because a lot of people when they're in high school, you know, they like to go out and have fun experiment and that's what high schoolers do um i was kind of going out to maybe one percent percent had to deal with a problem i i hated going home because my dad passed away in my house i didn't like going home um i knew i had other family to talk to but when stuff like that went down like that's where i would like call my uncle kevin and like have like like, I guess a guy conversation, you know, there's a lot of females in my family. And I was like, man, like, I don't know what to do. I can't wait to go to college. You know, the lookouts program helped me get to, to Hiram college. Um, and, and that's when I kind of woke up a little bit. I realized I wasn't, nobody was going to feel sorry for me anymore because from my hometown, I mean, I was, man, I got bailed out a lot of times. Like I had people take the fall for some things that were my fault. I had some people lie for me just so I didn't get in trouble. Um, I got bailed out. You know, I got, I got that get out of jail free card, like several times from people willing to take the heat for me because that's how disassociated I was from reality because I didn't know how to handle the, like my dad passing away. Everything that we had talked about with baseball with life when I became a father in the future and when I had my own kids and I just had a hard time dealing with it. Um, and I didn't really feel, you know, they always said there's light at the end of the tunnel. I did not find that light for quite some time. Um, I ended up going to Hiram college small division three school, you know, the lookouts program helped me get there. Um, you know, it was a new start. And that's how I was treating it. Um, I was going to be living on campus. I was going to meet a bunch of people. 
But when things got difficult, whether with baseball or school, like I couldn't like run like I could back in my hometown. It was, hey, like, sorry about your luck, man. Figure it out. Like, I realized nobody was going to feel sorry for me anymore. And I had my first fall season. Um, I did okay. Like, I really prided myself on wanting to be a good hitter. Um, I loved hitting. And that's what I get to do now as a coach is be a hitting coach. But my fall exit meeting was pretty simple. It was like, man, like, you're overweight. You're not the same kid I recruited. The arm's weak. You're slow. Um, obviously a more professional and, you know, they, they said it a lot better than how I'm introducing it, but it, I walked away from that meeting basically digesting, wow, I'll never play here. And and they mentioned that unless I made a change that I would never play there. That was a losing program at the time. And I just, man, I went back to my dorm room and I was like shattered um, cause I'm a prideful person. I have a hard time talking about my feelings. I do a lot better job now, but at the time I had a hard time talking about my feelings. I bottled things in and I was like, wow, like a place that recruited me is now telling me I'll probably never play here. And it's nobody's fault except my own because I allowed myself to get like this. They were like, yeah, you can hit a little bit. Um, and we know you're going to be a good student, man. Um, and you're a good teammate. So, uh, if all those things, you know, if, if you're going to get good grades and be a good teammate, like, you know, you'll you'll get to stay here and be with the guys. And um, I was like, man, that sucks. I won't be like, like, what? Like, nobody wants to be in that role. So after I felt sorry for myself for a little bit, I, I didn't know what to do. I guess step number one was like, I got to start living a healthier lifestyle. And I, I called a actually a former basketball coach of mine who I knew was doing a lot of strength conditioning stuff and dieting stuff and was training people. And man, I called him and kind of threw up that, you know, that hail Mary, um, man, I need help. This is what's going on. This is what I was just told. I'm freaking out, man. Um, I got with him and man, I transformed myself. I lost like 50 pounds Um, I was throwing weights around, um, every day I was seeing my hand speed increase, my bat speed increase. Um, I didn't feel like a piece of trash going to bed every night. I, I met the, you know, I met the, the girl of my dreams who's now my fiance. I met her that fall as well. And, you know, that was an extra motivating factor. Um, man, I, I made that change. I made that change. I found myself in the starting lineup as, as a freshman, um, I actually got to split time with, uh, you know, Brownlee lookout teammate um, that I had played with. So that was, it was just crazy how it all came back around for me. And I was starting to like love myself again. I was starting to like become accustomed to what that new normal was going to look like for me and and for my family. Um, And above all, I, I was learning how to become my own man. And it was because of all the adversity that I was, you know, experiencing with and, um, that, that, that's really my story, man. That's what shaped me. That's what, like what turned the page for me was all of that in a nutshell was, was me losing some of my closest family members, me not knowing how to handle it. And, you know, I think I made the initiative the way I did, um, to change my life physically, um, which obviously translated into mentally was, 
just by taking that leap of faith and understanding that I still had a job to, to kind of finish. And that was to be a college athlete. Like, you know, my dad and I had always talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, that was um, when I, when I saw that story after I ran into Envision clothing company's Instagram, I saw that story. I was like, yeah, I definitely, I definitely need to hear uh, this story in depth and just get, get to know you a little bit better. Um, definitely. You definitely a mo- very motivated person. You definitely like to motivate people as well. I'm um, just a great, just a great guy overall. Um, great story. Um, I love here. I just loved hearing it. Um, but you, after that fall, after that fall meeting, um, your college freshman season, and you uh, were just told, yeah, you're not going to be playing here, and you got that motivation. Uh, what were those next three years like after that freshman year being a platoon player? Were you able, were you able to be a, a, a solid baseball player those last three years uh, playing um, um, at the D3 level? Yeah, yeah, yes and no. Um, at the end of my freshman year, um, I actually called back. I called Ben Simon back. I said, hey, man, like, thank you. Like, man, I got the opportunity of a lifetime. And um, Ben actually introduced me to a hitting guy that he was working with. Um, his name's Tyler Mitchell. And, um, you know, you can look him up on social media. Uh, it's uh, Tyler Mitchell Training. Um, you know, trains a lot of division one athletes, a lot of pro guys now, um, and some very talented high school athletes. Um, I, I met Tyler and kind of when he was kind of getting his name out there, um, like for real now, you know, I knew he did some coaching and, uh, you know, was kind of getting his feet off the ground a little bit, but now he's starting to, you know, get a little bit more structure underneath himself by working with Ben and, uh, man, guy was extremely passionate, extremely knowledgeable. He was a younger dude. So, um, being able to relate to him. Um, I got with him and I just laid out what my goals were. I wanted to hit for a higher average. And, um, you know, honestly, like with how much stronger I'd become and, you know, I, I wanted to be the guy that was going to hit extra base hits. And um, I just wanted to learn. I think that's the most important thing I wanted to learn. I think growing up in the small town, um, I was so one dimensional with my baseball knowledge and my baseball IQ that like I <clears throat> I had a very like not a small mindset, but like I was kind of stuck in my ways, I guess you could say. <clears throat> so when yeah. I got with so when I got with Tyler, um, it was really just that was a changing factor for me. I shed off like 10 more pounds of just some senseless fat. Um, I was, you know, under Tyler's lift uh, lifting program. Um, man, I went back that fall, like the hungriest I'd ever been. And I had a great fall. Um, my fall exit meeting was not like my freshman years. It was more positive. There was an expectation there now for me. Um, you know, there was uh new guys on the team that I absolutely loved being around. Um, and above all, uh, I got Tyler to be, you know, a volunteer coach with us that year. So I felt like, man, like the guy (laughs) that I spent my whole summer with, now he's going to be here. He's going to be with me. I can't wait to introduce him to some of these other guys that, you know, he could, that could probably be clients of his in the future. It all came from like a really good place, right? Well, we started that season, man, I was on a tear. I was man, we were inner squad and outside on the football field and man, I'll swing the bat really well. Um, defense was a big flaw of mine as a freshman. Um, you know, I was a third baseman. So like the, the speed of the game kind of crept up on me as a freshman and 
I was looking to overcome that, you know, overcome that as a sophomore. Um, and I was, my confidence was through the roof and, you know, my, uh, my fiance, you know, Kennedy was really supportive, um, and had a lot of faith in me. Tyler and I's relationship grew extremely strong. Um, man, I was hitting like 350 um, at the time through Florida. Um, we always went down to Florida every year. And, man, just nothing was going to bring me down from that high. And I, we came back. We got into conference play. Uh, I started to struggle a little bit. You know, conference teams were pitching to my weaknesses a little bit. I was getting some mechanical flaws going on, um, you know. But because I respected Tyler so much and I loved everything he stood for as a person and coach, I really had a hard time. I had a hard time understanding and accepting failure. And it, it crept on me. Um, I think at the time I got, I think I got pulled a little prematurely. We were really struggling um, on the mound that year. So I think once I started to run into just a little bit of failure, um, I mean, I went through like a two weekend slump and after that I stopped playing and I, and I became our best reliever after that to, you know, try to help my team win. Um, but it was tough because my role then became like a pinch hitter and I went from like 350 to like 315, 320. I stayed there for a little bit and then I struggled where I got in the two eighties. And then from there I became like, kind of like a pinch hit guy. And I was losing my, my spot defensively. And like I said, I think I was pulled a little bit prematurely because I think pitch hitting is a very difficult thing to do in baseball, but you need it. It's part of the game. We have guys here at Eastern that are kind of in that role a little bit for us. I know it's a tough job to do, but I just watched my average go down and down and down. And our team was not winning. I put that blame on myself. I felt like I was letting Tyler down because, I mean, man, he trained me all summer and, you know, he was with me all school year with our college team. And I just felt like I let him down. Um, I, <laughs> it was a tough year. It was a tough year. Um, my average was like under 200 at the end of it because all of my pinch hits, like, and I, I just became so mental, man. I stopped seeing live at bats consistently um, I, I put so much pressure on myself that like, man, I don't want to let Tyler down. I don't want to let my teammates down. I don't want to let, you know, all the people that said I shouldn't even be here. I don't want to like prove them right. And man, I head case, like total yeah. head case. Um, I, I wiped it clean after my sophomore year. I wiped it clean. We got a new head coach my junior year and, I don't know if he'll ever listen to this, but I think that first year, like we, I don't think we liked each other a whole lot. I think, I think we were never on the same page that first year. He moved me to second base. I was not a second baseman. And I'm also, I wasn't, you know, I understood what he was doing. The guy who was the second baseman was a returning all conference player. And now I was playing behind him in practice. I had just started every other day my first two years um, over at third base. I'm watching a freshman get time over there. I'm watching a guy that played the outfield the year before go over there. Um, I, I didn't like him for that. I really didn't. I'm like, man, he doesn't know me yet. Like, dude, this sucks. I had a great fall. 
Um, I really did. I mean, I put, I was always keeping notes and how I was performing. Um, and I was kind of reflecting on just my hitting days, you know, it's a hitting journal, I guess, if you will. Um, it wasn't like extremely detailed. It was mostly bullet, like bullet points. Um, and that was kind of something I learned from Tyler. Um, you know, he's got some guys now that are very in depth and some of his clients, I actually coach now in the summer. So, you know, it's pretty rewarding, but man, I hated it. (laughs) I hated my junior year because I'm fighting for time. And I know I'm smarter than what I was as that freshman. And I knew I was more physically just intact with the speed of the game than I was as a freshman, man. Like, why couldn't I get out of my own way? Like, well, I felt like it was our new coach being in my way. We, (laughs) we got into it a couple times. Um, I almost quit. I almost quit. I don't want to play anymore because I'm like, I don't know what else to do. I work hard. I, I freaking do whatever he says. Like, man, I hate this. I, I hate feeling like this. It was, it wasn't affecting my relationship with, you know, my fiance it was not affecting our relationship, but it, it kind of weighed her down a little bit because she'd come up to watch games and I would either play and do bad or I wouldn't play at all. And, you know, she wants to go out to eat and go hang out with people that she knows from campus. And I'm sitting there like staring at the wall for like four hours, trying to digest what is going on. Why, why is baseball doing this to me? Yeah. So I'm so loyal to the game. Why can't it like be loyal back again? Like I, like it was the majority of my life at the end of my junior year, I actually ran in. That was the first year I coached. Um, I got asked to come back and coach in the lookout organization. So that was my first year that I got to coach. And I'm making decisions with lineups and players and how I want to talk to them and coach them and train them. And, I mean, you know, what a blank canvas it was to start my coaching career for a program that changed my life. Without them, I'm probably not in any of those positions or having any of those experiences. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> at the end of the summer, um, me and my coach actually ran into each other at an Indians game and I was a little protective. Um, I was, I didn't, I wanted to be careful, I guess. I thought like I, I was just really insecure and I don't know why, but I was, and we were talking and we kind of both shared our opinions and ideas and man, uh, he, he's like a father figure to me now. Um, because we got, we got such on the same page in that moment. And whenever I start coaching and players and telling them what to do and see how they're playing the game and handling their business, I realized one thing that went down my junior year. I was freaking selfish. I was selfish. I was selfish because I was being put to the test to overcome some of the mental obstacles and some of the physical obstacles as a player. And I pushed it away because it wasn't at my position because it wasn't like this. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'd be playing if the former coach was still here. I mean, these are all things you think about and you hear other guys say, and I, man, I said, coach, like it was different whenever I started making decisions for myself. Like it was different whenever I had to make 
not similar decisions, right? They're high school kids. But I'm like, when I started to make decisions as a coach, I sat there and was like, man, like I understand why he did what he did with me. And that, that grew our relationship because then my senior year, I wiped all the mental stuff away. I was like, you know what? I got one last chance. There was a big freshman class. I wanted to mentor them. I wanted to help, you know, leave the culture better than how I found it. Um, and there were some other seniors that did that too. It wasn't just me, you know, there was other guys and we were all on the same page and um, man, I had a real, another really good fall. My exit meeting was incredible where my junior year, it was like an every other type thing. My freshman exit meeting sucked. My junior year exit meeting sucked. Um, you know, both in the fall and in the, and, you know, at the end of the year, I'm like, wow, like my senior year, I'm due, I'm due again. Right. <laughs> That's how this game goes. Yeah. Yeah. I think once I started to take care of the, uh, of the culture and the structure and the daily dynamic of how we should go about our business, most importantly for those underclassmen, because those underclassmen outnumbered us upperclassmen. So we had to kind of set a foundation for them moving forward and, I think once I started to coach, it, it helped me get out of my way. So I went back with an open mind as a senior, um, and I started playing like a senior. Um, you know, I was back in the mix again where I felt like I had a legit chance. My junior year, I was just a pinch hit type guy. I got a couple starts. Um, I got like eight starts that year compared to 20 plus the last two years. Um, so, I mean, it, 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 it it hurt me a little bit. Um, man, my senior year, I was going to start playing again and I was having great conversations with the staff. Um, I just felt like me again. I felt like the confidence I had as that freshman and at that sophomore before the failure started to happen. Like I got that back and I was really proud of myself. And, you know, I was really thankful, um, because of my teammates and my coaches. Well, we went down to Florida. We played some games. Um, I was doing well. Um, granted, there wasn't that many at-bats, just it was so early in the season. But I was hitting 500, I guess, if we're going to talk statistics. I was hitting like 500 and like like six at-bats or something. So I was like three for six. So like, you know, not not nothing crazy. But leaving Florida, I'm like, dude, let's do this. Like, we're going to go back home. Like, we're going to play more games. Um, man, I'm freaking excited. Well, that's when the pandemic happened. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it canceled our season. Um, and that was really that was really it for my playing career. Yeah. When yeah. I started to get it back, it got taken away. Yeah. COVID, COVID ran into my senior year as well, um, high school-wise. So I'm four years younger than you. But COVID ran into my senior season as well. I think we got two practices in, and COVID just shut that down. Um, so oh, that was a little man. frustrating not to get that senior high school senior baseball season. Oh yeah, was, I mean it was, it was a little just, frustrating, but oh, it was rough. It was rough, and unfortunately, it's still kind of affecting the the dynamic of college athletics still. Yeah, and it, and it will for at least these next two years with all these people getting that fifth year. Yeah, film. Yeah, no but, doubt. You talk about that transition, how the transition to being a coach helped you as a player. But what was that toughest transition for you on the coaching side of things when you actually 
were in the dugout instead of on the field and you were coaching those younger kids. What was that toughest transition for you? I think the toughest transition was not talking about myself. Um, I knew I was closing the chapter soon on my playing career. Um, that first year, it was a great way to be able to relate to the players because I still was playing. Um, but when we were at the field and we were with them, it was about them. And I think that was hard for me because they're talking about, man, they don't understand why they, they went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. And I, my, it, it came from a good place. Like me trying to relate to them ended up me talking about me. And I think that was difficult because I still was playing. And before I'd go and coach the games, I'm sitting there training in the morning, working on my craft and getting my lifts in. And so it was pretty natural. But I think it was just the idea of not talking about playing anymore was probably the most difficult transition because those parents – and those players, you know, there's a lot of time, money, effort, and commitment. Um, and it, not that I ran into any issues by any means, but they deserved, like, my undivided attention to, to try to make their kids better at baseball, to learn the game more, and most importantly, to still love the game moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So what? So you coached at the, the Brownlee Lookouts um, that season before your senior season. And then COVID happened. But what was the what was that first job after gra- college graduation that you were coaching at? Uh, so my first job was actually here at Eastern New Mexico. So I was coaching with the Lookouts that summer. Um, once kind of youth sports got you know cleared by the Ohio governor again, um, you know, uh, and Michigan, like we went over and played in Michigan. Um, we played all throughout Ohio, and. Man, I was like, I was extremely stressed out because, you know, and I was talking with my college coach, you know, Phil Brewer, you know, he's still the head coach there. Um, Him and I's relationship got so strong. Like, it it was pretty rewarding when he said, hey, man, like, if you told me your junior year, like, let's say you were a senior your junior year, if you would have came up to me and said you wanted to coach, I wouldn't have been a reference for you. And he said, but. Your senior year, he said, man, like how you acted, how you approached things, how you changed, you know, mentally and how you kind of started putting, you know, water into everybody else's glass. He's like, man, I'll I'll vouch for you any day. So I was always calling and texting him like, I don't know how this works. (laughs) I, I don't know where to apply. I don't know what's a good fit. I don't know what's a good gig or a bad gig because I know, you know, those volunteer positions or the graduate assistant route, like I'm in as a GA, they're not always like the, the easiest routes. I'm like, so I don't know how to identify what's a good route and what's a bad one. So I'm coaching these guys. Uh, I got an on-base use certification, um, which is a, a hitting certification where I get to basically assess the movement patterns of athletes and, try to instill, you know, um, kind of how I'm going to train them both as a hitter and then anything that I can assist them with from a strength conditioning side. That was something that I was around training with Tyler Mitchell. Um, and that's what really inspired me to kind of pursue that Avenue because I saw how much it helped me as a player. Um, I, I applied to a couple places, didn't hear a whole lot back. Um, 
Some places were looking for pitching guys. Some places had their hitting guy coming back the following year for their second year as a GA. Um, some places got rid of their programs. Some you know places got rid of their GA programs as well. So it was real difficult. Um, I got on Skipper's Dugout. They're on Twitter. Um, it's a really solid platform to, to kind of just promote up-and-coming coaches or coaches that are looking for jobs. And I got on there, um, got a text message from uh, <laughs> Riley Price, the head coach here at Eastern. Um, was just like, hey, uh, <laughs> Riley Price here at Eastern New Mexico Baseball, you still looking for a job? And I got on the phone with him, and I was real scared. <laughs> I was a homebody. Um, I had just lived an hour away from my fiance for four years being in college. And now I was going to have to ask her if I can be 22 hours away. I didn't think that was going to fly well. Um, it was actually her idea. She was like, you'd be stupid not to do this. You need to do this. I still have college to do. Like, this is your dream. Like we we're not married yet. We don't have kids. If you want to get off the ground in this coaching world, you got to do this. Um, so I packed up and I came down here to Eastern. Um, man, it was real difficult before I got here. Um, just kind of the history and the track record of the program. Um, I was walking into a really good challenge. And I that's what I wanted. I wanted a good challenge and a great conference. Um, this is my second and last year here. Um, and I'll have my master's degree and then we'll kind of see where the game takes me. You know, it could keep me here. It could take me back home. It could take me somewhere. I have no idea where the game's going to take me next. Um, but that, that's kind of how it all happened, man. Yeah. So you said you walked into a challenge going yeah. to Eastern New Mexico. So what were some of those challenges that you're talking about? Oh man. The challenges were where, man, before, you know, coach Riley price, the head coach here, when he got here, he was kind of, he was kind of left with a, a pretty, pretty rough program. Um, wasn't a whole lot of talent here. Guys couldn't pass classes. Guys were getting arrested. Guys are getting in trouble with the school. Guys are, it, it was rough. It was real rough. Uh, the, the baseball program here had a really bad reputation and, Riley's objective was to obviously, you know, make that become a, a respectable image and, and do it the right way. And Riley asked me to be part of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking back, man, they didn't win a whole lot. Um, you know, they had a recent playoff appearance, um, you know, so that was a bonus. But, you know, that same year, they also had like a lot of guys get arrested on the field before a game for a fight at a party the night before. Um, <laughs> Riley was going to give me a lot of freedom. Like, hey, man, like, I want you to be my hitting guy. You're obviously going to take classes. Um, you're going to do miscellaneous stuff that typical GAs do. You know, like I mentioned at the beginning of this call, like, you know, I'm doing our, our uh, uniforms right now. So it's just yeah. – he was going to give me a lot of freedom, though, for a lot of hands-on coaching. In Riley's background, you know, he was at Angelo State as a graduate assistant, um, which is, you know, they're a top 10 program in the country right now in Division II. They're in our conference. 
we get to play them. Um, they're coming to our house this year. Um, Riley had won a conference championship while he was there. And then he was at Minot State. Um, he was at like Baker University. He did, was at Washburn University. So he, he's been around the game. And, and for a guy at such a young age who had such expertise, um, I was so fortunate, man. I get to go down there and I get to do things my way. It was basically, I was going to do whatever I wanted as a coach until I lost his trust and he was going to take it away from me. Well, to this day, Riley has never taken anything away from me. And we've been on the same page. Um, he lets me, he lets me do all the hitting here. You know, there was one point I was doing strength conditioning. Um, I got, I get to recruit, um, but that was really the challenge was a program that didn't have all the technology that didn't have all the data that had a miserable reputation. And I looked at it, man, if I go there and if we win more games than before I got there, or if we could find ourselves in the playoffs and start making some noise or, you know, um, I could say that's a testimony to, to what I was able to bring to the table and what the rest of the coaching staff was able to do together. And most importantly, how these players were able to execute and accept that challenge as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk about how this is your second, your second and your last year as a GA at Eastern New Mexico, and you don't really know what's going to be happening after afterwards after that. Um, but overall, what are some of your personal goals as a coach just moving forward in your career? So like, what's your end goal that you want to end up being in the coaching world? Um, yeah, you know, that's a great question. I don't really have an answer for that. Um, just because I think at any level of baseball, there's fantastic programs. There's still fantastic baseball everywhere. I mean, um, like Angelo State here in our conference, they're Division II. They're probably one of the most well-respected programs in the state of Texas. Uh, Denison and like Marietta um, over in Ohio, where I'm from, those are Division Three programs, highly respected at a national level. Um, there's there's respect at any level. I think what it comes down to is I just want, I want a place where I can help build championship culture and, and championship human beings, man. And whether that's in major league baseball, minor league baseball, D- division one, baseball, division two, three, NAI junior college. I don't care what level it is. I just want to be part of a championship culture, help instill a championship culture somewhere. Um, I want to be able to, you know, see my fiance every day, have a family um, and and just have some stability in our lives uh, while I get to pursue something that I love the most. And that's this game, Um, whether that keeps us there in Ohio or whether that brings us to California or wherever that is, as long as I get to do it with her, um, that's really my end goal somewhere where I can be and I get to do it with her because these two years, man, being a GA down here, it's been extremely rewarding from a career standpoint, but from a relationship standpoint, you know, yeah, like, you know, you miss one another and um, you're, you're in those grind days still where I'm trying to establish my name. She's still in nursing school. So, you know, we're trying to get our feet off the ground a little bit and, you know, we're excited for that. So, but that's really what I'm looking for. Yeah. So let's transition a little bit um, to the reason I 
uh, actually connected with you with Envision Clothing Company. So um, from just my research, it looks like you started Envision Clothing when you were actually still playing baseball in college. Yep, that's correct. So what gave you the idea for Envision and what exact, how exactly do you see Envision Clothing Company? Um, so yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was my sophomore year. Um, it was kind of when I was experiencing just, you know, all the success and then the, the eventual failures as a player. Um, you know, I was taking some classes and I was meeting with some, you know, meeting people in these classes that were real knowledgeable, um, very educated. And I never wanted to, I never wanted to like work for somebody like, you know, being a GA, right. People could argue that I work like that. I work for coach price, but he doesn't instill that environment. He he's created the environment where like I get to work with him, not for him. Um, I always knew I wanted to kind of like, I always kind of had like the entrepreneurial based ideas. Um, And that's just from taking classes and, you know, I was kind of getting that fix of being creative um, and trying to, you know, be innovative in a classroom setting. Um, and just the more I was thinking and kind of reflecting back, like, man, like, I shouldn't even be here in college playing ball. Um, man, if it wasn't for Ben, if it wasn't for the lookouts, if it wasn't for myself picking myself off the ground, I was like, man, I want to start something that could like, give people a platform to feel empowered. And I was thinking of, uh, thinking of a way to do that. Um, just with me being an athlete, I I knew I wanted to kind of be in the clothing realm that way. If you're wearing it, you're representing what it stands for. You don't need to talk about it. Um, so it was more kind of inspiring through action. Um, so that's why I started going the clothing route, but in in all reality, I, I think what envision stands for is, I mean, just uh, motivated people who strive for that daily 1%. Um, you know, our slogan became Be the Change. That's kind of like our mission statement. Um, and that's really just kind of been the core value to empower people, um, to just be the best versions of themselves and not accept mediocrity, to learn from failure, um, and just to inspire others to not fear that uncertainty of what lies ahead while, you know, people chase their dreams. Um, yeah. That was really what I was looking to create. And, Envision, you know, Envision came to name because, you know, and, and Be the Change came, you know, came to surface. Just, I didn't have a vision or make that change to myself my freshman year of college. I don't get the opportunities that I, I was, you know, fortunate to be kind of in front of um, as a player and as a coach. And I'm probably not where I am today without that experience. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're using Envision to create a platform for college athletes, just create a platform as a whole. So what exactly do you mean by that? And how are you doing that? Um, so I, I think just uh, I'll, I'll mention the college athletes. Um, I think just Envision just as a platform in general um, is just being able to, you know, share experiences, share, you know, positive influential messages, being able to convey what it means through our clothing, whether it's a certain design, whether it's the name. Um, you know, our, our logo is a tiger. Um, and I, I guess a deeper meaning of a tiger and what it represents is just the overcoming of out, uh, the overcoming of obstacles, um, and just courage. Um, so that's kind of why I chose the logo that I did. 
And I just wanted it to be like a brand that people could resonate with and kind of relate to the messages that it was sharing. Um, and that's where I really started out. Um, I obviously chose kind of like the fitness and athletic related industries because that's really what I've been associated with just by being a former college athlete, um, you know, and even now, you know, past my playing career, that's really kind of the industry that I'm really associated with. Um, and then when it comes, I guess, to providing college athletes with a platform, I mean, I know as a player with how much I love social media and how I get to connect with people on a daily basis. I mean, social media introduced you and I together. I knew as a player, if I was able to reap the reward of working with brands and being able to be myself on a social scale and, you know, hopefully shed light on a product or a surface or, you know, whatever, I would have loved that as a player. I would have absolutely loved that just by how involved I was with social media. I was always trying to learn it. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Andy Frisella and Gary Vaynerchuk and, um, I know as a player, I would have loved that. Um, and I think just with us being athletic-based clothing, I think providing that platform for college athletes is to just give back to, to people who, who are college athletes, give them an opportunity to be compensated because everybody's situation is different. But to hopefully be able to partner you know, with these athletes, whether they make it to the professional ranks or you know, power five ranks or whatever it may be, just giving them a voice, mentoring them and maybe, you know, starting their own businesses one day or, you know, helping us, you know, kind of scale our product variety um, and, and maybe representing it under that athlete's name. And it's just all about kind of changing the game of what it means to be a college athlete now that it's legal and obviously you got to abide by the rules of because every institution's different and you know you got to go through all the clearance stuff and um you know all that kind of stuff but uh <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah so, that's really it with it yeah so you talk about those nil opportunities for some of those college athletes um just as a college athlete looking at envision clothing what is it like working for envision clothing uh what does it entail what are some of those nil opportunities that you uh provide and just overall, what was that? I saw that you worked with Gavin Bruni for Ohio State. So how did yep. that relationship come about? And what's that collaborate? How has that collaboration been going? Oh, okay. So from the from the beginning, I was like, okay, um, you know, I, I got I got with just some other other guys who were like in my corner, and I remember I had a giant whiteboard, and I'm writing down all the ideas, and we're trying to connect the dots here how can we create a platform for these athletes to be compensated? And obviously, you know, at the end of the day, like we, we want the brand to, to, you know, have increased awareness as a result. Um, but where can we be a separator here? Um, I think for starters, like most brands, you know, we want to give them free gear. Um, we want to promote them on our socials. Um, you know, whether they're, playing in a game, pitching, uh, in the starting five for the basketball team, whatever it is, we want to be able to promote it. Obviously some of the rules are not promoting the athletes in the institutions, uniforms or where, because, you know, you run into issues with schools that are sponsored by Nike or under armor Adidas. And, um, but just sending out simple messages, Hey, like ESPN plus five o'clock catch so-and-so playing whoever, um, but for stars, we just wanted to give them free gear. 
then depending on kind of how they're performing, whether with content or, you know, sales throughout their discount code, um, that really determines, you know, their compensation, when it happens, how frequent it's happening, but there's different levels to it. Um, you know, there's like five levels and all five levels have, you know, different levels of just what the level of compensation looks like and what additional free gear that they can, you know, receive. I, what I like the most of what we did is the gear that they can receive for free is gear that I will never release to the public gear that I'll never release to the public. And that's what I really liked about working with the college athletes at first was okay. Like depending on how they're performing, and how it's kind of helping us out a little bit, um, you know, they'll get two items that nobody else will ever earn. So like that first item, just a quick example is once you reach level one, you'll get two hoodies, like a black and a gray one. Um, everybody's a big fan of the neutral colors, but it'll have um, our, our branding on it, but it'll also have um, the shape of the state that you're from. That was really the idea of, bringing those athletes together because, you know, I'll use uh, Dalton Bolin for an example. Um, he's a basketball player at College of Charleston who's with us. So he's from Ohio, grew up in Ohio. I played against him in high school, but now he's at College of Charleston. Him getting that gear, he's now representing that he's an Ohio native and he's, you know, kind of like Ohio, like Ohio built. Um, it's just giving the athletes the opportunity to represent where they're from while obviously, you know, showcasing our brand and who knows the larger that we continue to get, maybe they start bumping into one another being from the state, same state while being in a different state or even at the same institution one day, we never know. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's just giving them that sense of community um, level two, three, four, and five, uh, five is my favorite one obviously the best one in my opinion because you know it's the last one right um the higher that they keep climbing up the ladder you know they'll get um you know cash bonuses they'll get you know additional free gear with you know exclusive designs and whatnot and uh um i i, I like to give them a little bit of freedom hey like i usually give out a you know a pair of joggers here and a t-shirt do you have a certain product in preference that maybe I could get you instead? Um, you know, I, I want to give them kind of the power to wear what they prefer to wear and the style that they prefer to wear. Um, Cause again, it gives us another opportunity to continue to, you know, scale what our product varieties look like. Um, that's really levels two through four. Level five is my favorite one. So I'll use Gavin Bruni for an example. Um, just because, you know, he had created a Gavin Bruni pitching profile and I know we'll train athletes in the off season and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, we want to do, we want to give athletes the, the opportunity to create their own design, whether a good example is like, uh, I'm a big Cleveland Indians or guardians fan. Um, so guardians fan <laughs> and <laughs> I know, uh, like Jose Ramirez, for example, has had like those t-shirts that have like kind of like an animated sketch of his face, right? That's just an example. Let's say Gavin wanted a similar idea, 
you know, we would make those for him. So we would cover those costs, give those shirts to him for free with our branding on it and allow him to, to resell those to an audience of his own. And that would really be like the incentive for us from us is like making those for free. Um, yeah. So have you had anyone reach level five yet? What's that? Have you had anyone reach level five yet? Not yet. Um, I know Dalton Bowen's on level two. Um, I know with how busy Gavin has been, um, there's a lot of plans in the woodworks. Um, like I know we have a documentary actually being created for him by uh, Alex Stefanelli. So Alex does a lot of the, all actually all of the content creation for prep baseball report there in Ohio. Um, and he does a lot of work with Ohio state baseball. So he kind of got with me um, just by, you know, myself working and being at uh, PBR events and was just like, Hey man, like let's make a freaking documentary about GB. Um, you know, we got some voiceovers for me kind of talking about the, you know, the just kind of the partnership and, where I think it can go, where Gavin, you know, where Gavin kind of fits in that, in that puzzle here with the brand and man, like I'm, I'm freaking excited. It was supposed to get released at the beginning of the month, but just with Alex's other responsibilities, we had to kind of put it on hold. Um, so I know that'll be coming out soon. And I actually know tomorrow, uh, Gavin's actually getting his first collegiate start. So I'm like super freaking pumped for him. Um, Cause I know he's going to go out there and he's going to do what Gavin does, man. Um, there we but go. the end all be all is just creating that community. It's more than a brand. Um, it's just a, a driven community of like-minded individuals, man. Um, yeah. Gavin and Dalton Bowen and other athletes we work with. I mean, they embody everything that we do. So, and, and that's why I think it's been a rewarding experience for me. Yeah. So overall, what is your vision long-term for the Envision Clothing Company? Um, so for, <laughs> for the last couple of years, I've really thought about the idea of maybe opening a gym um, after Envision's name or having a training facility like for, you know, different sports that has a gym attached to it. Um, I would like to have a place where it can kind of be home. And I think once I get back to Ohio and I'm with my people on the regular and I'm creating content as much as I usually do, I don't get to do it a whole lot with me being in New Mexico. Um, I think just being able to document the journey more consistently and more frequently, you know, I'd like to get back into YouTube. Um, I think I could create a place um, that people all over is a place that people would want to come and train at or come practice at, or, you know, maybe even create some sports teams underneath of that and hand that opportunity off to, you know, somebody else I know that can maybe run that aspect. Just, um, I know we're starting to create uniforms for sports teams and other gear for other teams as well. Um, I just want to be, I want to be one of the most well-known athletic brands in the world. That's my long-term journey. I would like to give it a home um, and kind of my local area. Um, that way it's kind of, it, it's, it's unique. Um, it gives people a place to, to go somewhere and, and personally experience for themselves, like who we are, what we are, what we stand for, what our journey has looked like and maybe how they could be part of it too. Yeah. So Mike, I've got one last question for you. I loved our conversation so far. I think we could talk for hours, 
but I head back, go back from home to Bloomington, where school. It's about four hour drive. Oh, no, you're good, man. A little <laughs> I short. Having me on, man. So I've got one more question for you, then we'll end off the podcast and we'll go from there. Um, so Sounds my good, last man. question is, uh, so what is it like going through a clothing launch? I know you recently had one. Um, so I just want to kind of know, take it, take us through the process of what it's like going through a clothing launch there at Envision. Uh, so I think step one, man, is you got to sample. You got to sample. Um, you know, the, with our most recent launch, <laughs> I, I got several samples of the same product that we were looking for. I was getting picky a little bit. Um, I, I wanted the quality to enhance. I wanted to work with people that had quicker turnaround. Um, I wasn't really worried about cost. I was just worried about like, can I get the best quality for what I'm paying for here? I think there's better quality here where I can get more to it. Like where I can get hang tags, woven tags, um, maybe cut and sew. Um, and I ended up getting that. Um, so we sampled about four or five different manufacturers and we decided on one. Um, once we kind of had the products finalized, we obviously got them. We got them in. Um, we started to kind of identify, you know, what that release was trying to convey, what its message was going to be. Um, you know, so like our recent one was like the Courage Collection. And, you know, we, we kind of made all of our marketing and our social media advertising all centralized what it meant to have courage and what courageous people do um, and how that can, you know, influence not only your life, but other people's lives as well. And that's how we really focus that, how we focus that on um, for the launch. But the, <laughs> the toughest thing is always the content because you got to find not, you don't have to find people, but it's like, having my schedule align with a lot of different people who support what we're doing. That's difficult because people have jobs and people are still going to school and people have lives of their own. So I think getting together somewhere, creating content, editing that content is the conveying all of the features of the product, the way we want to describe it. Um, and then just the website, you know, editing how that's going to be presented. That's always pretty tough. Um, and I usually do all of this on my own. I have some help from people that, that help with, uh, you know, the content creation, but at the, really at the end of the day, I kind of get the final word on what gets shared, what gets said, how it's getting presented. Hopefully here soon I can hire an intern to kind of, you know, push those duties down to, um, and give somebody else an opportunity to, to, you know, be part of it. Um, but there's just so much stuff. Um, I know with COVID, like, for example, we had to overcome just a lot of shipping delays. So we had to delay a launch. So what we had to do with this most recent one. We had to delay it than when we originally intended to, you know, have it released. Um, so, I mean, just <laughs> getting all your ducks in a row and, and presenting it better than how you did your last release. That's always the challenge. And it, it, it's always different based on, what products you're releasing. Um, women's products are the most difficult by far because there is so much more preference there. Um, and women are obviously a lot more brand loyal um, than men are. So finding stuff that really gives women that, the idea of, hey, like we should, 
we should give these, you know, this brand a chance or man, they released leggings. If they released shorts, I would have probably went for them. Um, so I try to survey as best as I can to both males and females on just, Hey, like what would be a preference here? Or I'll do story polls or Twitter polls. Um, I try to survey as best as I can. All right. Sorry guys for that technical difficulties. Um, something went wrong there for there about 10, 15 seconds. But I really just want to thank Mike for coming on the show. Uh, Mike, like I said, we had a great conversation. I wish we could talk a little bit more, but I got to hit the road so I can get to Bloomington at a good time. Um, so I just, like I said, thank you for coming on the show. I love Envision Clothing Company. I'm looking forward to taking some of my NIL clients to you here at some point in the near future. I look forward to this new clothing launch. Um, I'm really excited to be working with you for the Summit City Lineman Academy that I'll be doing here in Fort Wayne. Um, so just a huge fan of your work and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Hey man, I appreciate you having me on, man. Good to always connect with new people, man. And, uh, just like-minded individuals like yourself, man. So appreciate you reaching out and having me on. That's going to do it for today's episode. I really want to thank Mike for coming on the show. As I mentioned there to end it out, I'm really looking forward to work with him uh, with some of my NIL clients. I'm really looking forward to seeing where his coaching career and his overall uh, vision for Envision Clothing Company goes. I know he's a very motivated individual, so I'm really excited to see that. Um, thank you guys for listening in. Make sure to tune in next week as I've got Arkansas baseball commits. Going to be incoming freshman next fall. Josh Heineman, Sean Fitzpatrick coming on the show. Uh, possibly an, a third guy committed to Arkansas coming on, uh, working on that right now. But I've got the other two guys committed already. They're, they're going to be on the episodes next Friday and Saturday. That's going to be on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and YouTube. So going back to the YouTube next weekend for a little bit. Um, just want to thank you guys for everything. Uh, thank you guys for listening so far. Make sure to give our Instagram, our Twitter a follow. It's going to be at JKR underscore podcast. Also, check out our website. It's going to be www.jkrpodcast.com. So I'll make sure to catch you guys next week.